So what do you call this, a birthday present? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I was kind of hoping we'd see something there out of Hunter. He just, he didn't come through. And I got to tell you guys, you know what? It's bad. Like, it actually is that bad. And I would not be entirely surprised to see this guy heading to jail for contempt of Congress or, well, for much worse. We're going to get into all of that because there is a lot of accusations flying. Plus, you're not going to believe his excuse. You're just not going to believe. I mean, the audacity of these people, really and truly. Not my fault, not my fault, not my fault, not my fault. Yeah, you know what? We heard that before. I believe it was Bill Clinton. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, just like Hunter Biden didn't have financial relations with that father of his. Hello, welcome to the program. I'm getting a lot of nice birthday wishes, so thank you. Thank you guys for all of that. I do appreciate it. You know, sometimes you get to the point where you're like, all right, I'm just going to try and pretend it's another day, but uh, I can't do that because you are all so generous and so kind and so, so nice. And I've gotten so many lovely messages. So thank you for that. You're watching the Trish Regan show. I am Trish. We are brought to you as always in part by our friends over at LegacyPMInvestments.com. LegacyPMInvestments.com, 1-866-589-0560. You may have seen that the Fed, well, it, it held steady on rates and everybody loved that because the part other day until it doesn't. And so the market traded higher and Janet Yellen went and did this big interview that would be our Treasury Secretary who used to be head of the Federal Reserve and she sat down over at CNBC and said, Don't worry, you know, they're gonna they're gonna get back to that two percent inflation range in a couple of years, right? By late next year, maybe it'll all be solved. Yeah, maybe, maybe we shall see. If you're worried, one eight six six five eight nine zero five six zero. All right, I wanna get to all of this news because just a short time ago Hunter Biden made it all the way to Capitol Hill. Let's take a look here. He made it all the way to Capitol Hill just to kind of tell everybody off and say, there's no there there. I didn't do anything wrong. You know, it's just a MAGA thing. It's just that right wing conspiracy thing that, that keeps haunting me everywhere I go. Let's cut to the tape. You got to see it. Let's play it. We're here today to correct how the MAGA right has portrayed me for their political purposes. I am first and foremost a son, a father, a brother, and a husband from a loving and supportive family. Yeah, he wants you to remember he's I'm a human proud being. I have earned degrees from Georgetown University and Yale Law School. I'm proud of my legal career. <laughs> and he went to all those elite institutions that I'm no one can stand. A dozen different boards of directors. And I'm proud of my efforts to forge global business relationships. Oh, I'm proud of my foreign agent lobbying stuff that I didn't register for. I mean, really. All right, so we're pausing it there because that's just kind of bonkers, right? Like right now, already he's ticked everybody off because he wants you to know all the fancy schools he went to, which he probably didn't deserve to get into, let's be honest. And he's got this great career of trying to advance international relations. <laughs> no, no, you had a great career trying to advance your own little pocket lines there, mister. Right. With 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 twenty four million dollars, allegedly, that came into your family from all over the world, from China, Romania, Burisma, the Nat Gas Company, that's now pretty much defunct. That was bad news. And you were somehow in bed with those guys to the tune of eighty three thousand dollars a month for what? Oh, we know. We know. Devin Archer. He told us. Let's let's listen to more. For six years. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Sorry. Sorry. I have to jump in again. Do you see the like. Chorus of choir boys behind him there? What's that about? All those kids. Is that now? Is that by design? Was that like choreographed? Let's have the whole little group of Boy Scouts walking behind you, all dressed in their nice little coat and tie as you talk about what a stand-up guy you are, how you're a son, you're a father, you went to great schools. And then just miraculously, it's like the doves that come out, you know, at the end of the wedding and they fly off. Miraculously, this little group of choir boys and girls starts to materialize, mostly, mostly boys, I can't see that well, but materialize there behind him, dressed in their coat and tie. Is that a coincidence? Probably, probably. It's a heck of a one, if you ask me. Or maybe, maybe they were offered the opportunity to walk right through that camera shot. I don't know. I just think it's interesting optics. <laughs> Let's keep listening including members of the House committees who are in a closed-door session, session right now, have impugned my character, invaded my privacy, attacked my wife, my children. Oh, 
my family, and my friends. They ridiculed Because, like, you're not fair game? Is that what you're trying to tell us, mister? Like, you don't deserve to be fair game? Can you imagine? Guys, can you just imagine? I want to know what you would think. I'm going to look in the comments here. If this were Trump Jr., right? Like, can you imagine if Don Jr. had any kind of set of facts that looked anything like what Hunter Biden has, how quickly, how aggressively, how horrendously the entire system would go after him. And this guy, this privileged, you know, this privileged punk thinks that somehow he's above it all and that he doesn't deserve this and that his dad is so great, his family is so great. And so what if he spent $688,000 over the course of three years, allegedly, reportedly, on various women? No, that doesn't matter. No, he's just a great guy and deserves a whole lot of praise for that. It gets worse. We have to, I got to play the whole thing for you. Let's keep listening. My recovery, and they have tried to dehumanize me, all to embarrass and damage my father, who has devoted his entire public life to service. For six years, I've been the target of the unrelenting Trump attack machine, shouting, Where's Hunter? Well, here's my answer. I am here. Let me state as clearly as I can. Just my father was not financially involved in my business, not as a practicing lawyer, not as a board member of Burisma, not in my partnership with a Chinese private businessman, not in my investments at home nor abroad, and certainly not as an artist. My parents were there for me. They literally saved my life. They helped me in ways that I will never be able to repay. Of course, they would never expect me to. And in the depths of my addiction, I was extremely irresponsible with my finances. But to suggest that is grounds for an impeachment inquiry is beyond the absurd. It's shameless. Yeah. You know what? You're shameless. I want to keep going. I want to keep going because I want to compare and contrast this with Clinton. There is no evidence to support the allegations that my father was financially involved in my business because it did not happen. Boom. That's what I was looking for. Thank you very much. (laughs) It didn't happen. Forget about it. There's no evidence because it didn't happen. My dad wasn't involved in my business. Period. End of story. Yeah. That's what he said, right? I I do recall somebody else saying something kind of similar. Of course, he had the the job that your dad now has. Can we cut to the the memory lane there with Bill Clinton? But I want to say one thing to the American people. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. I never told anybody to lie, not a single time, never. These allegations are false. Okay, they're just allegations. Didn't do it, didn't do it. You know what's amazing is how brilliantly these people learn to lie. They do that better than they do anything else, don't they? But again, we need a trial. We need an impeachment trial to be able to figure this all out. And I think the fact that he just blew off his subpoena, you can now actually be looking at something pretty serious, right? I mean, you you can get in a lot of trouble for just blowing off Congress. You've been subpoenaed. You're supposed to show up. This guy thinks he's bigger and better than that. And that, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't have to be there. And, And this is, you know, this is, if you think back to even his father being asked about those January 6th people, whether or not they need to be at their subpoena, his father would have said yes, right? Because you have to show up for the subpoena, otherwise you can be held in contempt, like there's certain rules, law and order. Thank you very much, people. Let's go to Joe Biden, another memory lane one from earlier in his administration, and he's being asked by a reporter who's now at CNN, I think she was then too, about what's going to happen if people don't show up for their subpoenas with those January 6th trials. Watch his response. Congressional subpoenas on the January 6th committee. 
I hope that the committee goes after them and uh, holds them accountable. Should they similar. be prosecuted by the I, I do, Department? yes. They should be prosecuted. No. I do think they should. I mean, this is kind of just what happens, right? Again, with law and order. But somehow, if you're part of the Biden family, it doesn't matter, Clinton family or any Democrat family, I guess somehow none of that really matters for you. This guy, Hunter Biden, is alleged to have been acting as a foreign lobbyist. He did not declare. By the way, he already signed off on that. His lawyers are trying to say, oh, wait a second, that plea deal, it's still in place, right? Like, we thought that was in place. No, guys, the judge said this doesn't make any sense. She ripped it up. You said the plea deal was over. So you know what? You are going back to square one. And when you go back to square one, it means we're looking at all those allegations, which you already signed off on, by the way. And those are serious. You admitted you didn't pay your taxes. I mean, you can't just not declare your income and think you can get away with not paying the IRS. For goodness sakes, your own father is trying to go after every, you know, all the nickels and dimes he can in everybody's couch cushions. And yet you are are getting away with not declaring millions of dollars in income. I mean, that is atrocious. And by the way, I'm just saying, you know, he's already admitted to that one. Right out there. I mean, that, that, that was on the table. So don't look at me or America and say that you're not doing anything wrong. I'm getting sick and tired of it. And I, I'm sick and tired of the fact that they've lied to us and lied to us and lied to us. Going right back to the election, I do want to play this clip. This is from the debate. I think Chris, what's his name, that used to be at Fox, was hosting this. I don't even know where he is now. Anyway, he, he had this debate. And Trump starts going after Biden for all of this stuff that we are now learning in, in great detail was, was true. And I say that because, you know what, Hunter admitted some of this stuff in the original plea deal. And Joe Biden says, no, no, not the case. Watch this. It, it's epic. T- Trump totally takes him down. Let's, let's take a look at this clip. It's an open discussion, please. Uh, you've, you've, it's a fact. I, well, there's, you there's have raised an issue. Let the been totally vice president answer. Discredited. Did Barista was pay him 183000 a, a month when, with when no they, experience in energy? Mit- Look, no my son did nothing wrong at Burisma. I think he did. Mr. President, let him answer. He doesn't want to let me answer because he knows I have the truth. His, his position has been totally, thoroughly discredited. By who? And the media. By everybody. Well, by the, by media, the media, by our allies, by the World Bank, by, e- by everyone has discredited. As a matter of Dude, fact, I, matter of fact even President, the people who testified under oath so let under me ask oath. you this. Henry, no, no, oath. go ahead, Mr. Henry, I'm listening to you. People under, you got three and a half million dollars from Moscow. Te- he testified under oath. Yeah, he testified under He's trying to also cite like the 51 spooks that came out, you know, the former deputy director of the CIA who got a whole bunch of his friends together, a bunch of political hacks and ex-spies. And they signed off on this thing that said, no, the FBI wasn't investigating Hunter Biden's laptop when it turned out. Yes, the FBI was investigating Hunter Biden's laptop and they were investigating a whole lot. Meanwhile, now Congress, they're going to be investigating a lot. Marjorie Taylor Greene making the point that she was really kind of disappointed that she didn't get to ask about all those women. Do we have the, uh, the graphic? I think this was courtesy of the government. Actually, they were looking at his spending and you could see, I mean, he spent like... Nearly $200,000 on adult entertainment. And then this one gets me. Payments, various women. That's all it says. Payments, various women. Over the course of three years, $683,000. Nearly $700,000 payments to various women. I mean, who, who is he? What is he doing None of that is good. And apparently they were going across state lines. So, you know, you really want to get into the weeds on this stuff. There's something called the Mann Act. No pun intended. But that alone could be pretty incriminating. It's something that came up on Capitol Hill today. MTG bringing up the issue. Let's listen. I would like to have asked Hunter Biden about Mann Act violations. Sex-trafficking women across state lines. Thank you all very much. Thank you. That would have been a good question. You don't seem to care about that. Would have been a good question, yeah. Look, 
he's making things worse for himself. The reality is this. Politics is a nasty, is a nasty, dirty business, right? Like, it's just, we know that. It's awful. It's gross. It's part of the problem we have, right? Who the heck wants to run for president knowing that you're exposing yourself and your family to all of this nastiness? But then again, most people don't live lifestyles like this where they're spending $693,000 on, quote, various women or nearly 200000 on adult entertainment. I mean, this is... This is what you might call alternative living. And if you're going to engage in this alternative lifestyle where you do things like that and you don't pay your taxes, then guess what? Ladies and gentlemen, you probably shouldn't have a dad that's president of the United States of America or a parent that is a politician in any way, shape or form because they will figure this out. Again, imagine, just imagine if it was Don Jr. At this point, you know, He can't even help himself. He's his own worst enemy, Hunter Biden, that is. And I love it. You know what? The Congress is not having it. They're going to hold him in contempt. Watch Jim Jordan here. He said it today. He didn't show up. I mean, he was just across the way at the Capitol. You think he could have come here and set the question. You do it in an open format now, you're going to get you're going to get filibusters, you're going to get speeches, you're going to get all kinds of things. Uh, what we want is the facts. And the way you get the facts in every single de- uh, every single investigation I've been involved in is you bring people in for an interview behind closed doors where you can get those facts. And then, as the chairman said, we'd love for him to come public. Finally, I would say this. Uh, Mr. Biden's counsel and the White House have both argued that the reason he couldn't come for a deposition was because there wasn't a formal vote for an impeachment inquiry. Well, that's going to happen in a few hours. We think it's going to pass. We think the House of Representatives will go on record with the power that solely resides in the House to say we are in an official impeachment inquiry phase of our oversight. And when that happens, we'll see what their excuse is then. They should have been here today, but once we take that vote, we expect him to come in for a uh, for his interview, for his deposition. And frankly, uh, we'll also, I think, look at uh, contempt proceedings as we move forward. Wow. So, like I said... This kid, older than me, and I just had a birthday today, (laughs) he could well be going to jail because this is not a good set of facts. Everybody went after Trump and said, you know, hey, why not just like play ball? I mean, they're being jerks, right? But you're you're making it worse sometimes when you don't turn over what they need, etc. This is what Hunter's doing. He's like trying to out Trump the system and it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Certainly not for him unbelievable stuff. So I would not be surprised if in a fairly short amount of time you find Hunter Biden on his way to jail and you see his dad getting caught up in the political scandal of a century. You know, you cannot, you cannot ignore Congress on this. There is enough evidence. And although the left will try and present it differently, we certainly are hearing this over and over again. In fact, looking at the New York Times today, the way that they're categorizing this, the way that they're headlining this, saying, oh, there's no evidence, there's no evidence. And I'm like, wait a second, have you guys not actually looked at the financial records? Take a look at them. When you see those financial records, you can't help but say, well, why is all this money coming from these foreign sources and going into these various LLCs? Why would there be money going from the LLC into Joe Biden's personal bank account? They'll tell you, oh, loan repayment. That's what it was. Well, you know, you don't like mix and match like that. This is like accounting one-on-one stuff. Your personal is your personal. Your LLC is your LLC. And if you can't figure that out, buddy, then, you know, what are you doing as president of the United States of America, Joe Biden? Especially knowing that you wanted to run for president. I mean, you'd think you'd be dotting the I's and crossing the T's like nobody's business unless you just say and think the rules don't apply to me. And clearly that's what this guy thinks. The rules don't apply to him. I mean, they never have. So why should they now? They're just going to sit there with a straight face like AOC did today. Watch this clip right here. This woman is just doing their bidding she's got some kind of deal and she wants to say that there's no evidence despite the fact that there's more than 70 SARS suspicious activity reports filed with the treasury department all american banks saying what the heck is going on with these accounts yet 
AOC does this. Let's let's that play this Not only is the committee not allowing Hunter Biden to testify publicly, but they have not called a single witness, a single first-hand witness to any oh. of their allegations. Hunter wouldn't go. They haven't allowed anybody to testify publicly because they do not have a single witness to any of their alleged allegations. They don't. So to set the record straight on that one, guys, Devin Archer, remember what he has said and he told us, actually courtesy of Tucker Carlson, who he did an interview with shortly after he spoke to Congress, he admitted they had a business and the business was selling the Biden brand. That's what they were doing. And they never registered as foreign agents, foreign lobbying agents. So that in and of itself is illegal, which is why, by the way, there were more than 70 suspicious activity reports filed with Treasury. Like, that's a rare thing to get, just to explain that for a second, because when your bank actually thinks it's a big enough deal that they have to file with Treasury, that's, that's not good. That's not good. So we've seen the financial records. We've heard from Devin Archer. We have heard from the various IRS investigators. They're like, what? just happened, right? All those whistleblowers that came forward and said they couldn't understand why they couldn't move forward with this case. There's a lot of corruption here. And they're going to double down and just say, nothing to see here. It's nothing but a MAGA conspiracy. I think not, guys. I think you got a big darn problem. And you're not going to be able to wiggle your way out of it. You have been found out. And it's high time because you know what? That office should not be for sale. And the kids should not be collecting money to do any kind of quote-unquote foreign lobbying. And this one, certainly, who had no business experience and no acumen for any of this, should not have been doing that. That was very clearly an access play. And that's why we need the trial. And we're going to get it. This impeachment inquiry, mark my words, that's happening. That's going to be launched. They are going to proceed forward with the contempt, being held in contempt of Congress, refusing to show up for your subpoena. Hunter Biden, it's over. And you're making it so much worse for your dad. Awful. We have more breaking news today. Breaking news that the Supreme Court says it will hear the case of the 300 plus people that are being prosecuted along with Donald Trump for the January 6th situation. Now, the court has agreed to hear this case, it's Joseph Fisher, who's indicted on seven charges for his role in the J6 attack. He was charged with the obstruction count known as, okay, we're going to get really esoteric here, 18 USSC 1512. Now, those of you that have been following this at, at an intricate level, you know all about this. But basically, you get 300 people or so that are being held in jail right now as a result of this 18 USSC 1512. It was part of Dodd-Frank's. It was really actually designed to go after white-collar crime. But they have used it in this particular case to go after these individuals and to go after Donald Trump. Now, what's interesting about it is that if for some reason the Supreme Court decides that it's not applicable in this case and they couldn't use this 18 USSC 1512, then Merrick Garland and the DOJ and Jack Smith, they're going to have a lot of egg on their face. I think that's like a big deal. So you've just effectively caught the country up in this whole thing. And if the Supreme Court decides, now they're taking up the case, that it's a no-go, what does that mean? Let's think about that for a second. I want to go to some of Julie Kelly's commentary on this. Now, Julie Kelly is a reporter, and she's been just in the trenches on this in ways that are really interesting. She's like, holy you-know-what. Supreme Court will review 1512 C2, obstruction of an official proceeding case. So, like, you're not supposed to be able to go in and obstruct Congress from doing its job And what the allegation is, is because those people were there on January 6th, Congress wasn't able to go through, right, with this transition of power. They were obstructing Congress from moving forward with its official proceedings. And so that's what they're using here. And she points out that this is the felony used against 300 plus J6ers and represents half of Jack Smith's indictment against Trump. If the Supreme Court of the United States, she writes, determines that DOJ has misused the statute, it'll be a game changer. And she goes on to explain 
Very interesting. She also writes that, you know, let me let me quote this one. It's effectively a collision course with Jack Smith. And the reason she's writing that, she says, it's because they're going to hear these oral arguments. The Supreme Court will in like March or April. And that's the exact same time that Donald Trump is on trial for the same charge. Right. So it's going to to the D.C. court and he's going to be charged with this in March. It's scheduled for March 4th, 2024. So that's happening around March or April. All of the Supreme Court is also looking at the case. And the thinking is the lower court's going to have a ruling and then the Supreme Court will either agree with that ruling or they will not uphold it. So if if the ruling sticks and the, and the Supreme Court says, yep, you know what, 18 USSC 1512, that means, you know, y- you were able to use this, you were able to use the obstruction count, then Donald Trump would be most likely in jail. But, 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 if the Supreme Court feels that Jack Smith and the DOJ and Merrick Garland overstepped their bounds of power, well, then that sets up a scenario for the Supreme Court telling the lower court, nope, no can do, you're wrong. And let's not forget the style of government that we are. The Supreme Court is the ultimate ruler in this one. So the Supreme Court would have the final say. So Jack Smith, for whatever reason, wanted to push this forward, wanted to get it to the Supreme Court. Some have speculated that perhaps it's political. If he knows he's going to get a verdict that puts you know, Trump in the slammer in March or April or May or June, he might actually want the Supreme Court to actually say no can do. And then you set up this really difficult political environment that, well, some worry would actually bring us to some kind of civil war because that's the breakdown in power that nobody wants. So there's not enough to entirely know how to interpret this. But I'm going to go back to Julie for a second because, again, she's like all over in the weeds on this. She said if if Trump is, is convicted by a D.C. jury, then the Supreme Court comes down with its decision in June. And she said it's the same month that Judge Chutkin would be prepared to sentence Trump. Bonkers, she writes. She also says this is the day that so many J6ers have been waiting for. So, again, it is bonkers. I agree with Julie on that because you're setting a scenario up right now where the Supreme Court, their ruling will will be held, right? Like it's the Supreme Court. You don't mess around with that. But if, in fact, you've got two different rulings, does that get people really, really riled up and put you in an environment going into the election in November of 24 that is, oh, I don't know, kind of like some sort of civil war scenario? I don't want to be alarmist when I say that. I mean, I've said it before and people, ah, you know, but, and I'm not talking like real on, full on civil war with generals and weapons and that kind of thing, but some kind of distancing, I would, I, 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 I worry about that. In some ways, you could say we're kind of in it right now. I think we're working our way through it. I looked at some of the things that have been happening at the Ivy League circle, right, to suggest that we're working our way through it. We'll get to that. But if we're in a civil war right now, does it escalate as we get closer to the election and we get closer to these rulings? That would be of great concern and something that Hollywood is already trying to capitalize on. Don't forget, I played the clip the other day for you of the MSNBC analyst who's a lefty saying, you know, you know how they're going to have to win this election. Forget Bidenomics, right? Because nobody believes Bidenomics is actually working. They need to double down on the dictatorship and the fear factor of the dictatorship. Well, Hollywood's getting the message. They're doubling down on it. They are coming out with a brand new movie titled None Other Than Civil War for Spring 2024, starring Kristen Dunst. Let's catch a preview of this little number. 19 states have seceded. The United States Army ramps up activity. The White House issued warnings to the Western forces as well as the Florida Alliance. The three-term president assures the uprising will be dealt with swiftly. Yeah, lovely, lovely. So uh, you know where this is going, right? So Hollywood is Hollywood, right? But do not forget, do not forget how we have been conditioned to kind of think one way. And people are like, hey, wait a second, wait a second. And they stop in their tracks and they're like, you know, I don't know. This makes a whole lot of sense. I really don't think it does. And then they start to think about things and they're like, oh, maybe. And then what do you know? It turns out 
when you think they're telling or they say they're telling the truth, they're actually not, and then vice versa. I want to use January 6th as an example, not to say that any of this should have happened. Don't get me wrong. I'm not condoning this. I I was really horrified by what I saw happening outside the Capitol building. But here's the thing. We don't know what happened inside the Capitol building. We don't. We heard some scary stories. And then we saw some video played over and over and over again in a loop. If we have this, I'm just checking with our, our team here. If we have this, I'd like to play it for you again, because it's something I like to bring up. You know, Nancy Pelosi She knew that there might be some issues, right? And she apparently didn't want to bring in the Capitol Hill police. And technically speaking, Trump didn't have the authority to actually do that. That was her call. And so she she could have done it. She didn't. But she did make a call, and she made a call to right away to her daughter, Alexandra Pelosi. She invited her in there for that particular day. Her daughter happens to be a documentary film producer, not a news producer, a documentary film producer and coming from this business, I understand the distinction. There's a lot of leading. There's a lot of special scary music, all this kind of stuff that they do in the documentary business that you wouldn't do in news. And they thread it together to have a lot of little storytelling, shall we say, to boost a certain narrative. So she brings in her daughter, Alexandra Pelosi, to tell the story of January 6th. And this is all we saw over and over and over and over again. And yet, At some point, the public got so brainwashed, CNN stopped telling us that it was shot by Alexandra. They bought it from her, and they bought it from HBO, who she was apparently making a a documentary for. These these networks actually bought it and presented it as a, in some cases, a CNN exclusive. Let's cut to this tape. Never before seen footage. How Speaker Nancy Pelosi shown fleeing the U.S. Capitol as it was under attack on January 6th. The videos captured by her daughter, Alexandra Pelosi, a documentary filmmaker. We have got to finish the proceedings or else it would have to come She provided some of her footage to the January 6th Select Committee, who played clips in their hearing Thursday. <laughs> I mean, right? I, I, you can't make this up. I mean, again, let's let's take it your word, Nancy, all right? So you were really scared. You thought this was a big deal. I mean, one, you might have called the Capitol Hill Police, but let's just say, you know, you're really like, you don't have your, you know what, together and you couldn't get yourself to a phone to do that. Why do you bring your daughter in? Like, wouldn't you call your buddies at NBC News or MSNBC or ABC or someplace? Like, right? Why is it your daughter? And why is your daughter then turning around and selling it to CNN? They call it a CNN exclusive. You know how this news business works? Somebody buys the tape so then they can run it as their own, as an exclusive. And so that's what we saw over and over again. That's what they played in the hearings. And so I point this out only because we don't know what actually really and truly transpired on the interior of the Capitol building. There's like 42,000 hours worth of tape. Mike Johnson is releasing it all. I think that's healthy. I think that's good. Provided, yes, you can protect certain security measures. Let the public in on this because you are being so incredibly biased and distinct in all of your presentation. This is why it's good. Frankly, ladies and gentlemen, that it's going to the Supreme Court. I know some people are like, okay, you're rolling the dice, but I would rather roll the dice that way and let it go to the best legal minds in America than allow these politicians with their own agendas and their own particular biases to control the narrative so significantly. I want to turn to the Harvard story, but before I do, thank you, David, David. It, it is my birthday. Yes, I turned 30 today. You, you're, you're a wise guy. <laughs> anyway, that's very nice of you. And uh, good to see so many. I, I'm seeing some some team members as well. We just started this team thing on YouTube. So thank you for that, guys. Um, join the team. We're going to put together like some special events and that kind of thing. You do get a special sticker, and I usually do call you all out. Leslie's been here from the very beginning. So she's just wonderful. We love Leslie. Um, good to see you back here. It is. You know, Texas and California, she points out, they highlight them in the movie. I said the same thing, Leslie, when uh, the team and I were talking just earlier today. I was like, it's amazing that they look at Texas and California. I think Leslie lives in Texas. You know, it's like a, a different brand, right, of, uh, of, of country down there. And hopefully it, it sticks and it stays because I, I kind of like the people I know from Texas. Let's turn right now to some more news just coming out. Harvard University is coming out in defense of Claudine Gay, the president of the university, 
after her just abysmal performance on Capitol Hill. She somehow, in her very poorly worded defense of herself, seemed to be defending the horror that we've seen on campus, uh, at Harvard University and on other campuses. Now, most people looked at that and said, whoa, this is out of control. This is not good. You think about the board of directors at University of Pennsylvania who heard Liz McGill testify similar stuff to Claudine. And they were like, gee, this, this is bad. We got to get rid of this woman. So they tossed her. She's out. She's fired. I mean, she's got some little job over at the law school, I guess, because, you know, once you're tenured, you're tenured. But she's out. Claudine, on the other hand, first black woman president of Harvard University, she's keeping her job. She's keeping her job. And on top of that, it comes just as there's also some plagiarism allegations that are pretty significant and pretty serious about how she's stolen ideas and actually literally according to these allegations, plagiarized paragraph by paragraph in some of her writings. And Harvard University's like, oh, it's, it's fine. Like, we're, we're here in support of her. What's that about? So CNN has to get involved, of course, and CNN decides to make this all racial. If people are going after Claudine Gay because Claudine has different color skin than, than most university presidents. Now, you might think, okay, maybe you guys have a leg to stand on, except, except the other two ladies that were up there getting questioned on Capitol Hill both happened to be white. And one of them, Liz McGill from University of Pennsylvania, who did as bad a job as Claudine, but didn't have the plagiarism allegations. Guess what? She got fired. So how does it make any sense, any sense at all, when CNN starts spinning this little narrative into the marketplace? Watch it. Watch it. I want to know what you think. Nicole, thanks for joining us. So, Nicole, what do you make of the fact that this was striking to me? Some of the same voices who are your toughest critics are the ones who are Claudine Gay's toughest critics and the loudest voices uh, calling for her ouster. Do you think that these two things are related, this idea of pushing back on diversity and inclusion in higher education and getting the president of Harvard ousted from her position? Oh, absolutely. So they're using um, the guise of of pretending that this is about concern over anti-Semitism, which is, of course, something that all of us should be concerned about. It's really just further their propaganda campaign against, um, you know, racial equity. So when you think about the fact that Harvard, this nation's oldest university, had about a 370-year explicit racial quota of only hiring white men uh, to be the president, um, it's laughable to think that the first ever black woman um, following that unbroken line of white racial quotas is the one who's unqualified. I mean, this is kind of the beauty of how racism works. If you are black and you don't achieve, if you don't succeed at the highest echelon, it's because you're lazy and you're not smart enough. If you do achieve and you do succeed and you do rise to the top of your profession, it's because you didn't deserve it. So <laughs> Again. The white lady got fired, okay? Claudine kept her job. You ought to be, like, really happy right now, guys, all right? Claudine kept her job. These people are never happy. They're just never, ever happy. And I'm sorry, Claudine should not have her job. I went to high school with this woman, actually. It's my birthday. We've been talking about that. <laughs> do we look like we're the same age? Actually, she was a senior when I was a freshman. I believe I do not remember. I've told you guys that before. Don't remember her at all. But, you know, she was there at this boarding school from Saudi Arabia, I was just a townie, okay? Like, I was just a New Hampshire live free or die townie. <laughs> she was all the way imported from Saudi Arabia. And she keeps her job, despite her enormously horrific performance in front of Representative Elise Stefanik on Capitol Hill. I mean, it was horrible. Absolutely horrible, horrible stuff. So... Don't try and call the racism card now. I'm sorry. It's just not going to work. And we ought to be beyond this, please. Can we be on this? Be beyond this? I mean, why, why are we regressing? Because it's politically expedient and divisive. And that's why they do it. That's why they're using it. We're going to have some happier news, don't we? <laughs> could we? We could use a little of that. Could we not? I want to turn to something that I just think is great. 
You know Tucker, Tucker Carlson, who used to be on actually opposite me. I was on Fox Business. Tucker was on Fox News at 8 p.m. Had a tremendous following, of course, and he's taken that following to a new digital platform that he's launching on his own, right? He has all the branding. He owns that. He's been sitting down with some different people doing some really interesting interviews. And I want to play a clip of this one because there's a golfer, very famous golfer named John Daly. He was on the the tour, right? The PGA tour and pretty legendary. And so they sat down to do this interview and it's just, it's terrific. It's absolutely, it's, it's fantastic. It's entertaining. And John Daly was asked by Tucker, Hey, who was the best at golf of all the presidents, and he's played with all of them, that you have played with, who was the best at golf? And I want you to see this exchange. So when you're playing on tour, do you, like, go to dinner with the other players at night? A lot of times, yeah. A lot of us hang out on the, on the championship. What are their po- so you're open in your politics. You're pretty direct about it, yeah. I would say. Where's common sense in our country? Do you think... You've got the majority view among golfers? Yeah. I think all of us on the tours and everything, we all want Daddy Trump back. <laughs> really? Why? Because he was a great president. He's a great guy once you get to know him. he's I've known him since the early 90s, and it was funny. I can't remember the tournament. He flew his helicopter in. We played a pro-am. We went out back. We talked a little bit. And when he stood up, he says, Mark my words, I'll be president of the United States one day. This is back in... 92, 93, 94, maybe. How? Did you believe him? I did. I did. Interesting. Unbelievable, smart individual that uh, people got to get behind him. We've got to do something. So, but. (laughs) It's pretty good. And, And there's more. So he he sort of you know, says, like, you know, he's great. I really like him. I had this personal relationship. I will say this about Donald Trump. I've interviewed him many times. I've spoken to him many times. What he has is a kind of charisma that really you don't always see in a politician. And I think that that carries through in the crowd when he's at these big events. And whether you love him or you hate him, let me just say, you're going to feel something. And overall, one of his, I think, strong characteristics is his love of people and his love of personality and his willingness to make these connections. And so that's, that's one of his top traits. I don't think that every politician is really like that. Some of them are really, really good on camera. And I will tell you that Barack Obama fit that bill, right? Great on camera. Did he like anyone? Did he care about anyone? I don't think so. But Donald Trump, you know, he, he, and I've spoken to him again, like many times. I remember he had to go see some parents I was doing a quick interview with him. He had to see some parents who had lost their sons. And it was so important to him that he stayed on time and on schedule because he really wanted to, that he wanted to make it to this event to see these parents. I know that when I left my former place of employment, you know, he called me the next morning at home. I mean, that, it, it's just, I, I think, a level of sort of caring about people on an individual level. Again, you, you may hate him, and he definitely has had his share of screw-ups on that personal front, right? I think about the Twitter account and those mean tweets. But simultaneously, he had some very good policies, and he genuinely seemed to really want to engage with people in a way that you don't always see politicians want to do, right? Joe Biden doesn't want to engage with anyone. Clinton wanted to engage, I guess, a little too much with a few too many people, shall we say. And uh, there there were others that, you know, like Mondale didn't stand a chance against Reagan. Why? Because Reagan had personality. What's that song? Personality, charm, and personality. (laughs) I digress. But personality matters. And that's what John Daly is getting at. The personality of Trump came through. I want to pick up that clip because... He says something, again, about who was the best golfer. I, I don't think we got to that. And, and he references, actually, Tiger Woods and, and how one of these people in particular compared and contrasted to Tiger. Let, let's play, if we can pick it up from that, guys, that would be great. But among professional golfers, that's like a pretty common view. No doubt. How's his golf? How would you assess it? I got to work with his chipping a little bit, but he hits it good. He puts it good. Um, we just got to work on his chipping. What's wrong with the chipping? He just 
Okay, keep saying you got to move the ball up. Everybody thinks when you chip, you got to move it back. You actually need to move it up a little bit. And if I don't see him for a while, it goes back to that bad habit again. So when you correct him, oh, he chips it like a chips it like Tiger or Phil. So why not be like full time Trump golf coach? <laughs> That's great. You know, you can go watch Tucker on the show. I want to play one more little clip. So we'll pause it for just a second. I want to get to one more thing because he talks about Clinton in this interview. But, you know, Tucker has his own thing now and you can subscribe and you can watch the entire interview. And I like to I like to put that out there. One, because I'm using his clip. So thank you, Tucker, for that. And two, because it's important as we all look at this changing media landscape to really, I think, support one another in these different different ventures. And hats off to him for, for going solo. It's, it's, it's better this way. Trust me. Anyway, he did ask him. He said, uh, was, there, was there a president that cheated? Might this have been Bill Clinton that cheated at golf? And I couldn't believe the answer. Let's see if we can cut to that question and the answer right now. He does seem and serious to watch about a little it. More, it's okay. Oh, he loves it. He's passionate about it. But he, what I love about him, he plays quick. We go out play golf. We could have an eight in with him, and we're done in three hours. Really? Yeah. So he, he's still extolling the virtues the of Clinton Donald Trump. Is that true? Oh yeah. I mean, Bill would he would take the club back and say, "Oh shit, give me another ball." Before he even hit the first one, he'd throw another one down. But he never kept score. I mean, did you ever play with him? Yeah, I had to play with him one time. What'd you think? Okay. I just thought that was that was funny, and I wanted to share that with you. I did. I did one more little thing just to keep it on a happy note on this birthday Wednesday, December the thirteenth. Bill Burr, comedian, sat down with Jimmy Kimmel the other day, and uh, he had a little prediction on twenty twenty four. He really thinks that you know, with everything that's happened. Time and time again, all of this legal stuff that keeps hitting Donald Trump straight in the face, it keeps making him stronger. And so because of this, the comedian is predicting that it's actually going to be very beneficial to Donald Trump come November of 2025. I want, to, I want you to see this. I want you to see this. I want to get your reaction. Let's see if we can play this one for you. Like, you want to see a great case thing? on, like, narcissism. Liberals are so stupid the way that they handle Trump. What you do know? you mean? You should shut up. Well, He's a narcissist. Neutral energy. Yeah. You Neutral. Think he, you think he'd go away? If you know what I stopped? think he was? I think he was a one-hit wonder. Uh-huh. Right? He wrote The Twist. Uh-huh. And then that was it. He was on the casino circuit, and then you yeah. idiot liberals wrote him twist again when yeah. you indicted him. And yeah. now he's a martyr. And now he's, he's coming back, Jimmy. The peppermint twist he's is back. He's coming yeah. back. <laughs> it's going to be great for comedy. He's coming back. I, I can't believe, like, these are honestly going to be our two choices, because I, I really try to, with each thing, to try to be, like, figure out who I'm going to put. I mean, it's got to be... I want somebody in their 40s, somebody that's going to have to live with their decision... I don't want, like, you know, you with want... any luck. Okay, so you didn't really luck, like Trump. They'll both die of natural causes <laughs> before the election. And maybe you could get somebody that still has something to live for. <laughs> anyway, it, it was sort of funny. I liked the, he's coming back, he's coming back, Jimmy. It's good for comedy, I, I guess. Um, but... What we've learned is a lot has gotten exposed and there was a lot of temper right under the surface there. It kind of bubbled up under the Trump presidency. I I think it would have anyway in some ways because you think about how they went after the Bush family. I mean, the Bushes are like, wow, we look great now, right? In comparison, they went after Reagan. They are very deliberate in their attacks. And then all of a sudden you get this guy who like goes after them in spades back and so it upped the ante in a way that is not necessarily great for our country, but also at the same time, I think, is exposing a lot of stuff that needed to get exposed. Right? Like, it, you can't have the government just lying and lying and lying to you because at some point you're really going to need the government to tell the truth. And the government is going to need the people to believe in them. But if you ruined it by crying wolf a few too many times, then it's game over. I want to welcome one of our newest members, Larry Daka. 
Thank you for joining us as a member. I want to welcome, of course, uh, always, always has been here from the very beginning, Leslie, back here on the show. Happy birthday to you, Leslie, as well. Yes, December is a great birthday month. Of course, we're in good company, right, with uh, baby Jesus as well. So you can't go wrong having been born in December. But happy birthday to you. December 10th was Leslie's birthday. And um, as I said, like we're, we're growing this sort of bit by bit, all organically, right? This is all just you and me and you guys getting the word out and sharing and liking and commenting. There's no money spent on marketing. We're just kind of bootstrapping this thing together. And wouldn't you know, as Don, you so kindly point out, we are now above 170,000. So that's a big deal. Thank you, David, David, for all your generosity and for coming to this program so often. I see you. I know you're a very, very famous face. And of course, a famous name, shall I say, in our chat. But uh, of course, I appreciate the thoughtfulness on the... Yes, I turned 30. I turned 30 today. It's all good. It's all good. Anyway, like I said, it's really nice to see all these. And I like hearing your, your comments. It's it's interesting to get the perspective. I, I create a, an opportunity for you guys to even send more stories. So, for example, if you're looking at something, you like something, include it. Feel free to include it in some of our chats here because I like seeing these links and I'm always looking, like 24-7, looking for news, trying to analyze all this news and get some perspective. Alphonse has been really good about that, reaching out and letting me know about certain things that are on his radar. I appreciate that and I encourage you all to do that and for all of us to do that sort of together, right? Like we are a team, if you think about it that way. I, I do as I said in the beginning, I want to give a shout out to our sponsor again, LegacyPMInvestments.com. Charles is going to be back on the show next week, I believe, because I want to get his reaction to this Fed stuff. I think the Fed is just kind of crazy, and they've been extraordinarily lucky. Still here. If you look on an apples to apples basis, guess what? You know what? Inflation is here. It's actually much more similar to what it was back in the days of the late 70s before they changed the rules, before they actually stripped out housing. And everybody spends all this time on core CPI instead of actual CPI. It's consumer price index. They're stripping out food and energy. And I'm sorry, that's what people use. That's what people consume. So inflation is still here. The Fed wants to get it back to 2%. Janet Yellen saying today she thinks she can do it. I'm not going to hold my breath. I'm not going to hold my breath. I do know this. They do not want to raise rates going into an election cycle. So this was sort of their last opportunity to do it. So when you look at the market today and the market closed higher, it's because of this expectation, the expectation that guess what? We're just, you know, it's game on. The spigot is open. The candy store is full and it's going to be potentially a little bit more of a sugar high. But you know what happens with the sugar high when you come crashing down from that thing? It's not good. It's not good. And so if we had a little bit more responsibility that was enforced from our Federal Reserve, then maybe we wouldn't be looking at the kind of inflation we have been. So I I point that out to all of you guys. It's just an important thing to think about. Again, I want to thank you all for being here. I want to thank some of our new team members for joining. Remember, you can follow me on Facebook, on YouTube, on Rumble, on Twitter, on Truth, like everywhere. Locals as well. Thanks so much, guys. I will see you tomorrow.